G'day everyone, welcome to the CX Central Podcast. My name is Justin Tippett and I'm joined by one of my regular guests, Mr. Daniel Ord. Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Justin. Well, I'm really excited about this episode because we've talked about lots of stuff, but we are going to be doing a little bit of myth-busting today, Daniel, and we are going to be focusing on customer wait time. So we're going to be covering things like service levels or response times, intervals, quality versus service levels, industry standards, wait time metrics, abandonment rate, ASA, reader boards. We've got heaps in this episode, but we're actually going to do it relatively quickly. But um, you know what? We've got a lot of experience. If you don't know who we are, my name's Justin. I've been in the call centre industry for longer than I care or imagine literally over 30 years now and Daniel Lord has also been in the industry around 30 years so hopefully you're going to learn something with two blokes who got a little bit of experience and not only has Daniel been uh, working in the industry for about 30 years but 20 years of that he's actually been training contact center manager courses and that's why this one this podcast in particular is a little bit exciting because there's a lot of stuff that comes up when we're running this course and we do this together uh, you can find the course on the CX skills website if you're looking for it cxskills.com.au there's my plug in early um, but this is a lot of the stuff that comes up so we thought you know what what a great way of just busting a few myths and talking about some of these little topics yeah Justin I agree and, and I can't take credit for Mythbusters I, I heard another speaker um, that I sat in on just a few days ago and, and she used the term a couple of times and I thought wow what a great way to synthesize some of the learnings that she wanted to share. So yes, Justin, we're gonna refer back to the workshop that we both run, but I'd like to talk about some of the things that always come up anywhere in the world. These are the topics that come up. Absolutely, this, and I think the story. important thing about this, if you're listening and you're relatively new to contact centers, this is gonna be one of a four-part series, so we're gonna tackle each of these things separately um, because you don't know what you don't know. And one of the things that you learn of experience is that there are some consistencies across call centers. When you're sitting in a call center in the middle of Melbourne, it can be very similar to sitting in the call center in the middle of LA or in, or in Hong Kong or in Sydney. Singapore or, or uh, Germany, where, where Daniel's based at the moment. So there are some fundamentals in call centres that are the same, and it doesn't matter what industry sector your contact centre is in. It doesn't matter how big your contact centre is. Um, there's some things that are always the same. So we're going to get straight into it, Daniel, because I want to talk about service levels and response times. What, what are some of the things that we, we learn out of this workshop? Sounds good. Um, okay, here... I'm going to just share, we'll walk through in order. First thing, Justin, we're talking about customer wait time. So wait time for their contact to be handled in the, in the contact center. And the first thing I find a lot of people weren't aware of is that the way we look at contacts that come in and need to be handled straight away is different than those contacts that can be handled later. So some contacts come in like phone calls or live chats or walk-ins. And there we use what's called service level. That's where you hear the classic, we will handle 80% of walk-in customers within 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. We will handle 90% of callers within 10 seconds. We will handle 100% of live chats in five seconds. So, so people get that. But then you look at something like email or correspondence or cases that you handle later. Well, you still need a wait time metric there. But here the wait time metric is called response time. And with response time, you'll hear it expressed as we will handle 100% of our emails in two hours. We will handle 100% of complaint cases within two days, whatever the case may be. And what I always like to point out, and this is the myth that kind of explodes, is it's not just a theoretical notion. It actually goes around or drives how you're going to measure employee performance, how you're going to calculate the number of employees that you bring in to do the emails or live chats. 
and the measures of success overall for that channel. So again, it's something that people are like, oh, service level versus response time. And if it's helpful to the audience, that the, the dividing line is 60 minutes. If you're gonna handle a contact in 60 minutes or less, you always use service level. If you do it 60 minutes or more, you're gonna use response time. But again, the math, the metrics, the people management side, completely different between the two. I'm going to roll so out. I think that's our first myth. I, I think it's a yeah. good one. And I'm going to roll out one of my dad jokes already, because if you work in the contact center <laughs> industry, you often hear people say, what's the goss? And it doesn't mean who's sleeping with who in the office or who's won Tad's Lotto <laughs> and has left, or it means yeah. grade of service, G-O-S, grade of service or service levels. It is the same thing. Uh, typically in Australia, we call it um, grade of service. Uh, globally, it's typically called service level. So there's another little quick myth that we wanted to bust. Now, Daniel, we the other thing that we wanted to touch on was these things called intervals. Please explain. Sure. So your boss gives you a service level to meet. Maybe that's 90-10. And your boss says, So hang on, Please just going to jump in there. Like if, you're, if you're new to this, I'm going to break it down. 90-10 means 90% of calls answered in 10 seconds. So 90-10 is how it's always Absolutely. pronounced. Sorry. Yep. You got it. No problem. So 90% of calls in 10 seconds or 50% of calls answered in 50 seconds. Whatever it is, you're given an objective for wait time. So the question I asked the audience or the group is, so how often does your boss want you to achieve that? And clearly after a few minutes, we all figure out all the time and all the time <laughs> is 100%. Yep. Now comes a tricky question. So your boss wants you to hit your objective all the time or 100%. Over what time periods are you gonna measure this? And here's what you'll hear. The most common answer I get is daily. We yep. look at it daily. Some yep. people say weekly, some people say monthly. And then the myth that gets busted here is no, not all of those are useless. Um, what you really need to break this down to is what's called the interval level, which mostly is half an hour. Now we have to be careful. For some centers, it'll be 15 minutes. For some, it'll be 30 minutes. For some, it will be an hour. For some, it might even be two hours. We won't go into the nuances of that. But you can see there's a huge difference between a half hour and a day. Yep. And then people are like, well, wait, why do we have to do that? And I'll say, well, look at it this way. If you have five people call in sick in the morning, your first few half hours of the day, you're not going to perform very well. You're going to say, wow, we're not meeting our service level objective in the morning. Not to worry. Here's what we can do. We can overstaff in the no. afternoon. So if you bring in extra agents in the afternoon. Now, again, I don't do this like it's some evil thing people are doing, but it's a natural response and, sure. and, and, and it happens. They'll just simply say, well, we'll simply overachieve the target for afternoon intervals. And, and just very quick math, if you're working 24 hours a day, that's 48 half hour intervals. So if you have a few intervals where you're underperforming and a few intervals where you're overperforming and you average that out across 48 hours, then when your boss walks by and says, so how's your performance? You're going to say, boss, pretty good. Not quite 100%. We're at maybe 92 or 88. And, and, and the boss says, keep up the good work. And then you're like, yeah, I did it. You know, <laughs> and, and the mistake here is, I think, is pretty obvious. Your customers aren't experiencing you on a daily basis. They're experiencing you on that half hour that they're calling in. Why do we punish people that are calling in at nine, but then reward people that call in at three? That's a bit strange because you're supposed to have be meeting that service level, thank you, Justin, for every single interval. And that's a big eye-opener for people. They're not everyone, but for many, they're like, my goodness. But we're always reporting daily, weekly, or monthly. And, and I'll close with this thought. 
what your boss wants to look at, okay, fine. If your boss only wants to look at daily, that's fine. We actually talk about it in the course what you should give them, but for now I'll just say fine. But when you're <laughs> running the center and you're trying to do a better job, yep. you've got to look at things on an interval basis. Absolutely. And typically in call centers, it's done in either 15-minute, 30-minute, or one-hour intervals. It does tend to, to, to be based on the size of your contact center of what's more appropriate. We do cover that off in a little bit more detail in the course. But as Daniel said, 30 minutes is probably the most common uh, that you would see. And one hour in the smaller centers, I think it would be fair to say, is, is, is a pretty common. Yeah, it, it has to do with things like what's your typical average handling times. For example, if you're in tech support and your calls on average are 30 minutes long, it doesn't make sense to measure to the 30 minute interval you would go to the hourly interval so i think for purpose of our discussion today we're not recommending best practices or saying this is exactly what you need to do we're busting myths but when you hear interval you should immediately go in your mind to half an hour more or less and yeah, then yeah. We'll, we'll leave the nuances to the side i think we get we go too far if we do that i think it's a good one. It's a good myth to bust. And I think, you know, Murphy's law is always, Daniel, that the cousin or the uncle or the sister or the brother of the CEO is going to call at that one interval <laughs> the worst time that they could possibly call. But then when if you're only looking at things over an average year, they go, hey, we achieve service levels, though. We're amazing. Um, but as Daniel said, the customer only cares about that little period that they rang into. So it's a great myth to bust. Love it, Daniel. Now, the other one that we want to talk to, and I know it's one that we have lots of conversations about, is quality yeah versus service levels what's more important or does one influence the other and i think we'll just give a little bit of a bust a couple of myths here as well daniel this is a big one and this actually came up for me in the last five days we were teaching a live chat class for agents and the question came up dan how can i balance between quality and quantity how can i make sure my agent's delivering the appropriate level of quality on the chat and yet we still need her to be doing 12 chats an hour or 22 chats an hour. And, and this again, sometimes blows people's minds. I'm like, well, you're asking the wrong question. The question is incorrect. Yeah. There is no correct answer to an incorrect question because there is no trade-off between quality and quantity. They actually move together. So in, in a very short explanation or a very summarized explanation, as you improve your quality, the number of repeat contacts coming in is gonna go down meaning it's gonna be easier to meet your future service levels. And most people get that. They'll say, Dan, I totally get it. Because if we don't do give good quality on this chat, this call, or whatever the case may be, that customer may need to reach us again across other channels, which is gonna impact the amount of work we have to do. So that's the one side. The other side is we have to look at the, the service level performance here. If service level drops, we know those of us who work in a contact center, when service level goes down, we can see this with our eyes because we look out on the floor and every single one of our team members is gonna be on the phone, they're gonna be busy. And then the moment they hang up, boom, comes the next one. And then boom, comes the next one. And boom, comes the next one. So what happens when the service level isn't being well managed for that interval, I'll bring back the interval, the quality is gonna most likely suffer here because I always say this, no matter how well trained the agent is, no matter how motivated they are, they're still human beings and human beings get worn out. And so we have to keep in mind that we're required to deal with both service level and quality, but there's no trade-off between the two. They don't fight each other, they actually support each other. So as we improve our service level, our quality goes up. As we improve our quality, 
our service level goes up. That's a now this is a big topic and we're just doing a mythbuster here, but yep. I think the myth is don't ask that question. There's no proper answer for it. Yeah. So. Speaking of don't ask that question, one I get asked all the time, Daniel, is about <laughs> industry standards. Do tell are there industry oh. standards for all these metrics? Oh, Justin, it's uh, you now this one I have to roll my eyes a wee bit because if we you know, even if we're in 2021 and we have people saying, oh, 8020 is the industry standard, or the way I see people phrasing it these days is we just can't rely on 8020 anymore. Well, you never had to rely on 8020. 8020 is not the right service level for everybody. That's just a middle of the road. So if you're a super high-end hotel and every call is worth let's say two or three or $4,000 to you in new bookings, you're gonna laugh at 80-20, that's too slow. You're gonna handle 100% of calls in five seconds. That's what some of these high level hotels do. Mm. On the other hand, if you're doing employee technical support, you provide technical support to the employees of the bank, the employees of the telecom, et cetera, they typically have lower service level because that reduces the cost of running the center. And so if you're an employee calling in to get help on your on your PC or whatever, you may have to wait two, three, four minutes to be answered. That's intentional. So there are different service levels for different purposes and different organizations. And there's a few factors companies have to go through to decide what that service level is. So there is no industry standard and, and there's no point to rail against 80-20, which I hear some people say, we're in the modern age, 80-20 is old fashioned. Well, it's always been old fashioned for some. So again, you have to really sit down and decide what the right wait time is for your customers. And there are ways to do that. So love it. One of my favorite myths to bust, Daniel. Um, <laughs> um, now I, again, we're covering this at a relatively know, right? high level, but obviously <laughs> this isn't a workshop program, Justin. It's just Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, now, of course, if you are listening to this in the podcast, this is available uh, on the CX Central uh, website. Uh, you'll find this and a whole bunch of other articles and information all on all on the site, I should say. Um, and then on top of that, uh, it's on YouTube as well. So if you actually like to watch this, you'll see uh, the wonderful Daniel and you'll see myself uh, on video. So you can just subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Or of course, if you'd like to hear the rest of these, uh, make sure you subscribe on uh, on whatever you're listening to, whether it's on iTunes, uh, etc. Spotify, etc. Um, now, the next metric that we did want to, or myth, I should say, we wanted to bust was the wait time metrics, Daniel, because there's a couple that sort of get bandied around a little bit. So let's uh, let's bust a couple of those. You got it. So service level, I sometimes call the king or the queen of the wait time metrics for the conducts you have to handle straight away. But as we all know, there's a few other wait time metrics, such as average speed of answer abandonment rate, longest wait time. We're not going to cover all those, but here are a couple things that, that pop up and that, that let's do our first myth. Average speed of answer is a kind of a useless metric. If you have service level and you can see you're performing to service level for that interval, knowing average speed of answer doesn't add any value to you. And there are a few reasons why ASA, as some people call it, is kind of pointless. One is it's an average. And anytime you work with a metric with the word average in it, you have to be careful. Because if I say to you, Justin, our average speed of answer for the last half hour was two minutes, I think that creates the impression that all customers were answered at two minutes. But that's not true. No. It's an average. So a lot of people got answered straight away, right? Yep. And a lot and waited a lot longer. Waited yeah, and it just averages out. So anytime you're dealing with averages, that's that's always something to be aware of. And there's one additional thing I want to say about ASA, which is why, again, I think it's 
and, and I don't just think, I teach. I mean, so it's not just my opinion here. ASA fluctuates on group size. So when you take one queue or one group of agents at 80-20, and that's really large, maybe you have 100 agents in it, and you take another queue of agents, also 80-20, just to make the example the same, but the population of agents in that queue is smaller, your ASA is not going to be the same because average speed of answer fluctuates on group size. I call it slippery because it changes. It goes down when the group size gets big. It goes up when the group size gets small. And as we know, throughout the day, we're going to change our agent population. We're going to have more agents on the phone, for example, when things are busy. Well, fewer when things are less busy. So why would I chase a metric that first off is an outcome of service level anyway? Service level is easier to read and understand. And second off, fluctuates based on group size. So again, and, I, and, and some people out there really take a deep breath on this one and hang on to their average speed of answer and claim that it's super valuable for them. But I always wonder why, because there's so many metrics in a contact center, You, we all have to understand they're not all equally important mm. and they're not all equally useful. Mm. So. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, bang, you've just smashed out ASA. Now, what about um, uh, yeah. another rate we hear often is abandonment rate? Yeah. Now, abandonment rate, it's, it's interesting. For those organizations that earn revenue directly over telephone calls and live chats and so forth, obviously for them, abandonment rate really matters because an abandoned contact on, let's say, a hotel reservation means a potential loss of a booking. Um, so revenue generating centers are always looking at abandonment rate as a very high priority metric. But if you're in customer service or tech support, what we have to understand is abandonment rate's a natural outcome of our service level performance. So if we're meeting our service level performance, we're going to have some level of abandon because I always say to folks, who decides on abandon? So you stop and think about it. What's well, a customer? So I say, do you staff to your service level or do you staff to abandon? And then once they know operations, I'll say, well, Dan, we staff to service level. We can't staff to abandon. So I'm kind of like, then you look at abandon as an outcome. You don't look at it as a primary metric to focus on. And in operations, it's called a secondary metric. So clearly, Justin, and I think this will make intuitive sense. If you're not meeting service level, you don't have enough staff, too many calls are pouring in, service level goes down, it's very likely, not guaranteed, but it's likely that abandonment rate will go up. Yep. But here you don't have an abandonment rate problem. You have a service level problem. Yep. So it's always about managing the service level and then looking at what the abandonment rate is, is, is as an outcome. And then if you're meeting service level and you're still not happy with abandonment rate, you may decide you need to raise your service level objective. So maybe instead of being 80-20, you decide to raise it to... 90-10, which intuitively should reduce some level of abandon that you get. And Justin, I know this pops up for you all the time when you're doing consulting. Uh, absolutely. And um, so, look, the, the final one that we want to leave people here with the, with the myths uh, is around uh, the reader boards or, or, or if you call them wall boards, uh, the same thing. When you're seeing the stats typically up on a TV screen, up on the wall, or these days sometimes you'll see them on, on agent desktops or they'll have little pop-up windows and stuff on the desktop. So we often uh, have conversations about those, Daniel. So it sounds like, given the theme of this uh, podcast, you're going to bust a couple of myths around those as well. 
Well, I mean, there's always learnings on this stuff. A reader board is a tool, and tools can be used for good or they can be used for evil. Tools themselves are not in inherently good or bad. So let's talk about evil first. Evil is, dear agents, we're hanging those reader boards, and the moment that that number flashes, you better panic and you better start jumping up and down and making calls go faster. So it's used as kind of an electronic whip. I sometimes make a joke that you just take wires, you run it from the reader board under the seats, and you get these little electronic jolts from the reader board. Yep, yep. That's evil, clearly. <laughs> yes. but, but I don't care how diplomatically you say it. See, evil sometimes can come in friendly guises. Yeah. So don't just because you say it nicely, don't think it's not evil. I reckon there's people listening to this podcast going, that's not a bad idea, Daniel. You just run some cables. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not do that. But these are the people who never sign up for our classes anyway, Justin, so it's perfectly true, okay. True, true, we're safe. Right. You can't convert everybody. So um, now how do you use it for good? You explain to the, to the agents, if you're going to hang them publicly, if you're going to hang them publicly, and we'll talk about this in a moment, please explain to the agents what they mean, how to read them, what each figure means, and when and where, and we have some clients doing this, how they can professionally and appropriately react to the reader board figure. We had one client that teaches their agent that the moment the number of calls in queue is 50 or more, stop upselling. Yep. So everybody just stops upselling. That's a very logical and structured way of bringing it back. Um, so, and, and just, and I'll bring up one, one other myth related to the reader board. So there's usually, the, uh, there's a stat you have to look at when your eyes raise up and look at the reader board. And I always ask people, what is the first thing you should look at? So can I ask the audience to take a moment? You've got a reader board, you wanna see how things are going. You look up at it or you look on your screen, what would you look at? And you ready? The correct answer is number of calls in queue. Number of calls in queue. If you have no calls in queue, you can relax or you're overstaffed, but that's a different discussion, right? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people, when you ask that question, they're gonna put, I look at service level, but service level is absolutely the wrong answer here. So the point being that just because we have all this great technology and all this data flashing at us everywhere, we also have to be sure we know how to read it we understand what it means contextually. And if we're going to put it in front of agents that we teach agents what they mean. So, Yeah, fantastic. I, I love that insight. And um, so there you go. It's a little bit of a taster. We are going to be covering in part two, we're going to be talking about how to some measuring contacts in a success. So we're going to be things like efficiency, yeah. coaching, performance management, monitoring, et cetera. We're going to bust a few myths around that space. So uh, that's coming up in our next podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the course that we're referring to, it is one of the most popular courses that we run on CX Skills with Daniel is our trainer. Uh, so you'll just find that on cxskills.com.au and just have a look for the Contact Centre Management Fundamentals course and you'll be able to read all about it. If you are enjoying the podcast and you want to hear more and make sure you don't miss an episode, please make sure you do subscribe on, uh, as I said, on, on YouTube or Spotify or Pod, uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you want to do it. And of course, this is also available on the CX Central website where you'll find lots of other articles, including a lot written by Daniel and myself. So thank you, Daniel, for joining us and busting a few myths. And I look forward to uh, talking to all of you guys on the next episode where we bust a few more myths. See you on round two, Justin. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye.